If you're listening to this and you're distanced, thank you. If you're listening to this and coping with the fact that we have a major holiday during a pandemic, also just be safe and thank you for clicking play yet again. Happy Thanksgiving. That feels kind of weird to say. I don't really know how to go about it. But just make sure you eat good today if that is the sort of thing that you are into. I'm Unqua Sonia. He's Ryan Albin. Welcome back to Award Tour, the podcast holiday edition. That's not really a thing. I just kind of threw it in there. Uh, One thing I can always throw in at the top of every show is to not just thank you for clicking play, but reminding you that you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, hosted on Anchor, and by all means, rate us, review us. I think we've been doing five-star work. I think you think that too. And of course, you can keep up with us on the socials at Award Tour Pod, wherever the socials land you, except for Pinterest, but maybe we'll work on that. Um, Today's show is going to involve the NBA yet again because they keep making headlines for actually good social justice reasons. And we're going to talk about the things that we don't like about this very food-filled holiday. Now that my long-winded preamble out of the way, the more interesting Brian Alvin. What's up, dude? So first, I want to just, how are you doing? Because my mental uh, well-being is going to be a bit of story time. Uh-oh. Well, it's fit for air, at least. So let let, let us have it, man. So as you know, I, uh, I dabble and have dabbled for about a decade in the uh, service industry Uh-oh. as both a uh, server and a bartender. And I don't know, have you ever worked in the service industry? I have. Okay, so then you know the feeling of, you know, sort of establishing like regulars. And there are some regulars who you are just not fond of. And so when you see them sit in your section or whatever, you get like that sort of pit in your stomach, that sinking feeling. The one where you go, no, 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 no. Please tell me you're about to leave. You're just like, please sit somewhere else. Please go somewhere else. But But they don't. And then they look I, at you like friendly, like, right? Oh, yeah. They know you don't like them. <laughs> and they're there because they, you're their little toy and they like toying with you. So I've never had that kind of sinking feeling happen to a first time customer before. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say a first time customer? But it happened yesterday with a first time customer. <laughs> All right. You want to know why it happened with a first-time customer? Please tell me why. I had to serve Candace Owens yesterday. You had to do... Wait, wait. You, you, you... Wait, wait. No, 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 no. You... You heard me correctly. Who? Candace Owens. I'm going to hold it in my lap. Tell me there's more. So there, there isn't too much more. The, the establishment that I work at is, a, uh, is from my home state of Connecticut. She also derives from Connecticut and actually grew up in the town where this restaurant started. So clearly she must have seen that the restaurant was down where she lives now and was excited to come in. And so I saw what I thought was her walk in and like my initial reaction is, I mean it can't be her like God didn't do that to me <laughs> it can't be her uh, but then I thought about it for a second I was like wait a minute she's from she's from there it's her and so then my just just this pit in my stomach dropped because my first thought is like, oh my God, I have so much to say. Oh, jeez. Better you my, than me. I'll say that. Better you than me. But then my second thought is, I can't afford to get fired today. <laughs> and so it just turned into this like, as it normally does with the people that you have the pit in your stomach for when you work in the service industry, Just this, like, have to be pleasant, have to do the right thing, treat her like a human being that she is, 
just serve her, you know, the best you would to anyone else. And just the whole time it was happening, I found myself in a state of existential crisis because it felt like I was selling out the whole time. <laughs> like, at least with other people, like, at least with the people who are like regulars who give you a pit in your stomach, you don't actually have any reason beyond like how they have treated you as a server to not want to have them sit in your section. But like, this is a whole different level. This is like, I don't want to do this because it morally compromises me to not say something and to not just try in a human way, be like, come on now, you, you don't mean all that you're saying, right? You don't mean all that you're preaching to those millions of minions. <laughs> you're just you're just secure in the bag, right? I've I still have the pit in my stomach now because I feel like I let myself down as a human being. But like yeah, that that happened yesterday. For the record, this is dropping Thursday. We're taping two days early, so you're all welcome. And I will say this. I know that you sort of knew this before, but I think you have finally experienced just a pinch of the black experience at work. Just a pinch where you know you want to say something and you can't. And you know you can't. The person you're talking to knows you can't either. So I. Let's put it this way. I'm glad you're still here. And I'm glad. There's, <laughs> and I'm glad they're still paying you. Glad they're still paying you. I mean. So the one thing I will say about that is. I think anybody who has worked in the service industry. Is a good idea of what the black experience in the workplace is like right in other because like the the service industry is a whole lot of that right like a whole lot of you can't say exactly what you would like to say and you have to uh deal with a certain level of disrespect to you as a person (laughs) that you really shouldn't have to deal with but like you need that job so you just go through with it it's different on some levels for sure Cause it has more to do with like, we can't totally equate the experience, but like for sure it's cl- it's, it's as comparable as it's going to get It's as comparable as I'm going to get Yes, <laughs> for, for sure. Right. Like, you know, white dudes not going to get much closer than that in the workplace. And you were right there. I mean, if I could swap one quick story from a, um, this happened the first year at my nine to five. And I remember I was introducing myself to somebody because I had just re-entered the office. And to this day, I will never forget this. I say my name. Hi, my name's Unqua. Nice to meet you. He looked at me and he goes, did you just curse at me? What? Please believe me when I was in my first year. And for the record, yes, he was. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to laugh it off. My two other colleagues who are both white were like, um, I, I, please tell me that didn't just happen. Ugh. People can't help themselves, dude. I swear they can't. All right, so I'm going to put the NBA on hold because I feel like we're on something now, and I just want to... I, I think we can do this. Let's keep I going. I just want to roll with it. Like, Let's keep what, going. What is the line where you should get to say something or not? Like, Because here's the thing. There is the part of me 
that is still just like in a inner turmoil because I felt like I had an opportunity to make a difference in the world yesterday. And I passed it up because I need to keep a job that, you know, gets me a couple hundred bucks a week. But we're in a pandemic, so times are times are lean. Yes, very. Um, but like, what's the there is the part of me that, you know, you know, back when we had like all the Trump government officials getting heckled at restaurants and like people barging on their meals and just like in mobs sort of just shouting them down the whole time they were eating mm-hmm. like. I always found that to be a bit over the line. Not by much. <laughs> Not by much. But just like there is a certain element of like where you like at some point people ought to be able to like eat. Okay. I'll, I'll stick I'll stick I'll stick that in my back pocket, but please go. You can, you can disagree. You can disagree for sure. <laughs> but I'm like, where where is the line where I would have been in the right? That's what I want to know, to have said some stuff. Let's dive into, I, I want to dive into the interaction a little bit. Did she say anything? Well, yeah, so my, you know, I, I want to keep the company name out of this and everything like that. That's probably not, for the best. Not trying to probably for the best. stir up anything that, you know, retroactively gets me into trouble, in which case I should have just said it all uh, <laughs> then and there. Uh, but, like, for me... I always give the quick little 20-second, 30-second introduction. And because this is an establishment from Connecticut that is now in the DMV area, uh, I always like to check, is this your first time with us? Now, I knew that the answer to this was going to be no. Because I know where she's from, and I know that she came here on purpose. Because, like... She knows about it, and it's a taste of home, a great taste of home at that, and she definitely wanted it. Um, And so I knew what her answer was going to be, and her answer was exactly what I thought. I'm actually from so-and-so, so, you know, I've had it all the time growing up. And so, you know, that was so I was like, okay, so you know about it. And uh, she was with her uh, husband, so wasn't, you know, going too deep into anything. But other than that, like the rest of the transaction, the interactions was exactly how I would do it for anyone else, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's all very polite. They were polite. Um, you know, no, nobody acted in any way that had you just watched the interaction. It wouldn't have seemed like normal people and a normal server all doing what they would do on a normal restaurant occasion. Okay. But in my head, I'm just like, oh, my God. There's so much I want to say. And yet, you held back. And it's just like, what could I, what would have been the line? Would I have just been totally wrong by any way invoking, I know who you are. Let's have a chat. So if we're going to talk about the line, let's talk about the line. The reason why I disagreed with you about the whole 45 administration, all that sort of thing, is because you are operating as a government official, which means when you act a fool, you're actually playing with people's lives. While some things that media people say can be reprehensible, and provoke people to do really, really bad things. I wouldn't call that the same thing. With that being said. I, for one. Say that you played it about as well as you could have. Because in my view, it would have been totally different. If she had like tried to engage you in conversation. Then I think you've got full range to just kind of go off. But I think you pl- I think you played that about as well as you could have possibly played that at any point. I think the line depending on the figure is is if you're in the government eh, I'm not going to say it's fair game, but I'll say it's more likely to happen. For anyone else, I think you wait for engagement. 
And it seems like the engagement never really came in your case. So that's good. I think that's really good. The way you played it. I'm sorry you still have the pit in, in the bottom of your stomach, but I think you did your best, honestly. I mean, yeah, it was just like, ugh. it just made me so uncomfortable to, and it, it, I think there's just something about, again, when you like work in the service industry, just having sort of that knowledge in the back of your head during so many of your interactions that you are powerless within those dynamics, right? Like you, you are a number one, they control you getting paid because you're a server or you, you know, you don't have an hourly salary that's paying you. Like you're getting paid by tips. So they already control you from step one, from the jump in terms of the level that you can treat them versus the level they can treat you. Um, but yeah, just, oh, it just, the whole thing just had me like, I don't want to do this. Don't want to do it at all. And so, you just have to, and it's the worst. So I might as well ask this. Is she a good tipper? Um. So the tip was more than fair. Granted, the bill was under $15. So. Oh. Huh. So, I mean, we're, no, you know, we're. It well, was under not, it time out. It was under fifteen dollars and she sat at a table. Oh, I mean that's fine. It was you know, she was again, she was with her husband. They were having a quick little bite. The restaurant was empty. A quick bite for less than fifteen dollars. Maybe I need to visit your restaurant. Yeah, I mean, if you need to come over, you know, <laughs> feel free. I'd be more than happy to serve you. That's the deal. <laughs> oh, when we get free to actually leave state lines again, that would that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, well, here's here's my question for you. Here we go. If you just had no power dynamics involved, your job didn't depend on it, and you ran into that situation, what are you saying? I am verbally undressing his entire lineage. Maybe even physical, because this may sound somewhat controversial and maybe I don't know how much of actual topics we're going to get into. But I, I want to go along this line. I am starting to believe that sometimes violence is the answer. Because people are really becoming more entrenched. And people are also very cavalier with what they say and how they operate because they don't think anyone's actually going to check them. I've been very privileged to have only been in such a situation maybe twice in my entire life. But I saw a video this morning and it was literally... And stop me if you've heard this before, a white woman making noise about the fact that a black child was, quote unquote, aggressive toward her. What was aggressive, you ask? He was riding down the street on the sidewalk on a bike. And he's eight. One of the, the, the elders in the community literally said while going back and forth with her, he said, listen, if his mother was here, you wouldn't even be talking. She would be whooping your ass. And it sort of dawned on me that. I don't know. I feel like people need. A small part of me thinks that people need to be actually scared again. Because I think people are are way too, they're way too comfortable with letting this go. And it's not as if we grew up in the quote unquote olden days. But I do remember, just even remembering from something as simple as grade school, like if you had words, 
something was going to happen physically one way or another. We're just not there anymore. That's one thing that I wish we could sort of bring back. Because people are just, I think people are a little too comfortable these days. So just to clarify, we're, we're not condoning that you personally would be violent towards her. Uh, God, no. He said, if, he said if his mother was here, she would be I'm confused who we're talking about now. Uh, I lost track of things. All right, so. <laughs> I lost track of things. I thought we were still talking about Candace Owens. Take Candace Owens, put it in a box. I think we're I think we're 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 done with that conversation. At least she's a decent at least she's a decent tipper. And that's probably the nicest thing I'll ever say. Um We're talking now just about a general subsect of individuals. A general subsect of individuals and also referring to the video that I referenced. Okay, okay. So when you said he that's what we're getting at. The elder, yeah, the elder in the neighborhood said, if his mother was here, you would be fighting. So, no, I, I'm i keeping my hands to myself. I would not condone that. I, like, I understand your point with it. I just, I don't know. I, I, I worry that even that is not, like, I keep going back to, I think of all the times that people have said, uh, go, take for example the issue of like gun control and like you've had people talk about you know all these people uh, propping up the NRA advocating for more guns after there's a school shooting like you'll hear the occasional chirp on Twitter or somebody say like well I wish one of these you know politicians would have it happen to them since they're so cavalier about it but like Steve Scalise literally got shot by uh, what was it like a crazed Bernie supporter who shouldn't have had access probably to as many weapons as he had Mm -hmm. and like he survived it and he's still out there on that NRA noise right Mm -hmm. so like there's this part of me that feels like I don't know I don't even know what I feel like anymore I, I sometimes I just get into this defeated place of like there are no answers to anything not wrong but i do feel like we all deserve the chance a little bit more in society to verbally check one another like really do it you got my attention on that one i wish i had the chance but I didn't. It wasn't my opportunity. But if I had the opportunity again, I would like to be able to take it. And really just... There are a lot of people out there who need to answer for the way in which they have chosen to monetize discord in our country. Speak on it. Because it wasn't my uh, wasn't my favorite thing to have to serve somebody with a smile who is preaching on Twitter to her two million followers that the election was rigged. Still, still. That's not my idea of something I would like to do. All I know is that now people in Capitol Hill are literally preparing for the transition. So. Final. Where? And even she did it late. And there and and it's going to happen. Here's the worst part. All of these people are going to go back to their quote unquote normal type lives. And they're going to have the opportunity to cash out about, oh, these were my four years in the tumultuous Trump White House. Like, please don't give these people a platform. 
Like, please. Because everybody wants to rebrand now that they are no longer actively harming people. I would love for the world, or at least the American press corps, to give these people a collective middle finger and turn their backs to them, but eyeballs, so they won't do it. So that was a term we didn't expect. Yeah. When story time uh, ends up taking up the first segment. You know what? That works for me. Enough of my existential crises. Because we are uh, now entering the holiday in which we express gratitude. So I need to stop this wallowing self-pity and I need to uh, start expressing some gratitude. Or do I? No, I don't have to express gratitude because we're putting a spin on Thanksgiving, folks. Here we go. Everybody likes to tell you about their favorite Thanksgiving dish, their favorite thing to do on Thanksgiving. But here's the truth. Nobody likes that whole Thanksgiving spread. There's always a little something extra that always ends up with the most leftovers at the end of the meal. And so we're going to bring you the truth today on Tell Me Something I Don't Know. We are going to give you our least favorite part of the Thanksgiving spread. For once, this is a food question that stumps me. Oh, no. Because there's nothing... I usually eat just about everything. But do you like just about everything? You might need to run down the list before I see something I don't like. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm asking you about your Thanksgiving spread. Uh, We have not. My family somehow has been batting a thousand since definitely for the past six years. But if there was a traditional dish... That I'm not too wild about. It's not stuffing because stuffing is actually okay. You know what? This is such a cop out, but I'll just say it anyway. Nobody wants to eat a salad on Thanksgiving Day. It's not a cop out. It's what you feel. Like nobody. I don't understand. Right? I'm not going to sit here and act like health is not important. But if I'm going to have salad, that's either going to be breakfast or the intermission between breakfast and big Thanksgiving lunch or dinner or whatever. There is no way on this earth that I will ever willingly have salad on my plate with a dinner spread. Oh, no, I'm eating it beforehand. Don't you ever defile my space with that ever again. All right, so I wish I had something better, but that my, my, my family does Thanksgiving good. I can't help it. I can't help it. Well, luck, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> just play it. My, my family does Thanksgiving just fine as well. Uh, there is one specific dish that has made it to a couple of Thanksgivings that would be my pick, but I'm not going to reference it just in case you know people are listening. We don't. We don't need- <laughs> Not anybody's dish in particular. <laughs> Not oh. on the day, man. Not on the day. But I'm just going to go to the turkey itself. Whoa, 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 whoa. This thing at the root, and we're going to go all in. I'm shoving my chips. I am all in into whoever decided turkey was the bird that we were going to eat on Thanksgiving. I made a mistake. Whoa. It is like the driest, most flavorless meat of all the meats. It is a meat so flavorless that we either have to pour gravy or cranberry sauce onto it. Because we're all smart enough to know you don't want to just eat it by itself. We stuff it (laughs) with a poopery of who knows what. To try and give it some flavor. Turkey is essentially the white man of birds. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Where's the flavor? 
Where's the style, Turkey? Why so bland, Turkey? <laughs> I'll tell you who voted for Trump. Turkey did. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, that mercy was. We I mean, like, come there. on. Turkey wouldn't be your first choice, would it? Not really. I will say that when... Gratefully, there is a, when there is a protein request, I usually opt for ham, but that's because we have usually, I know why I didn't say turkey. It's because we actually usually get smoked turkey every year. Now that will change your Thanksgiving. I'm sure that helps because once again, we need to do something <laughs> to make turkey enviable. Turkey is... Oof. Turkey is the Valentine's Day of birds. You know how Valentine's Day is just some Hallmark holiday that we build True. sentimentality with to brainwash people into having certain associations with it? We have the association of turkey with Thanksgiving Day, and we were brainwashed into that to feel good about turkey. But does anybody just order turkey off a menu on their own any other day of the year? It, mm, mm. Do you have turkey all but one day of the year? You are right. I do not. I know that I don't have turkey all but one day of the year. So, yeah, that's going to be my least favorite part of the Thanksgiving Day spread. I am pissed <laughs> that we have been brainwashed into eating turkey. So what would we you substitute? Had- I don't know what, you su- what would you substitute then? So I love when there is a ham at Thanksgiving because ham, much better uh, than turkey. One year, Emma and I went to a Thanksgiving dinner at uh, the Smith in D.C. And while they gave you the option of doing your traditional turkey dinner, you could also substitute your meat if you wanted to and still have the rest of like the fixings. Okay. Hell yeah, I chose the braised beef short rib. Are you kidding me? Okay, you've got my attention now. That's the kind of Thanksgiving I'm trying to get behind. You've got my attention. Oh, that I mean, I would do a roasted chicken before I would do a roasted turkey. Think of all the ways we could have been having fun on Thanksgiving, and we have just succumbed to, oh, turkey, it's what we do. And we trick everyone into feeling good about it. What, what What's this holiday's excuse for using turkey again? I don't know the origins of it. I'm like, I'm sensing conspiracy. I'm, I'm all <laughs> conspiracy that Thanksgiving has been thrust upon us by the turkey industry. <laughs> you sound... The turkey industry. The turkey industry. The I don't know who industry. makes up the turkey industry, but it's it's out there. The turkey industry. Hmm. They did this to us. I will say that this segment has been so life-giving to me. Because number one, it proves that maybe some traditions are meant to be broken. And two, I gotta go find short rib. I swear, once we get like commercials and maybe this will go farther than the podcast fear. Well, actually, we like the podcast fear, but we talk during our breaks. And I just want to say, as someone who's never been to this restaurant before, Philomena's. When the dust settles, I'm coming. Do you hear me? I am showing up because I have just learned that you have a dish of short rib inside tortellini. And my answer is just going to be yes. Like, I'm I'm willing to read out my credit card number. But when the dust settles, <laughs> save me a spot. Because I will be there. 
Oh, you have no idea what goes on in these breaks, people. Oh, my goodness. Just answer me. Is it a dinner spot or does it open for lunch, too? They're open for lunch. And they serve it for lunch? I believe they serve the whole menu all day. I am showing up. I bet they open at noon. Something like that. Maybe even 11. If they open it up. The dust needs to settle sometime soon. My, my, they have no my, idea my, how many people I've just like sent their way over the years. So let's go my ahead. Guy owes, my guy owes me needs to, you know, give me a discount next time. Discount, deal, shipping tortellini across state lines, whatever it takes, man. <laughs> whatever it takes. All right. Well, you know who has uh, some pretty good pastas as well? And where's that? The birthplace, Italy. And how about that? Now we actually get to stay on topic, at least for one segment, because I'll paint the picture. Brian's awesome with the details. But all you need to know is that if there was a sitcom and it came with many cameras, they would say the NBA goes to Vatican City. For more of the reason why this actually matters, here's Brian. So this is a pretty out of left field thing, right? It's not something that we expected to hear ever. Um, but you know, after the NBA spent a summer really uh, just harping on social justice, uh, some players got an invitation to the Vatican to speak with the Pope. I believe the list included Kyle Korver, Sterling Brown. Uh, I'm. You'll have. I'm trying to find the article to see who else was on that Jonathan as well. Jonathan Isaac was on that as well. Let me pull up the. But long story short, nah, you you got it. I'll go get the names. I mean, just the Pope is going to be having a conversation with NBA players about what sort of social justice initiatives can be undertaken, like for the leadership of the Pope. The Vatican itself to be giving these athletes this platform, I think, speaks to the legitimacy of their cause and the legitimacy of the work they've already put in. Does it not? Does it not say that these players made enough of an impression on the world that the Vatican sees them as important resources? in identifying how we can move forward towards a more socially just society like that. I don't even have much more to say than just like that. It That's an earth shaking moment. In my opinion, I don't remember American athletes going to the Vatican to speak on issues in my life ever. So watch this. And this is according to CNN. The players that went were Sterling Brown, Marco Bellinelli, Kyle Korver, Anthony Tolliver, and Jonathan Isaac. And this meeting happened on Monday. And I got to say, like, since we go there on this show, I'm going to do it again. The idea of what it means to be a good Catholic or Christian has definitely been reexamined more and more this year because between a pandemic, between the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, everyone has sort of had their own personal reckoning one way or another. And I think the fact that this meeting actually happened and the fact that the NBA, sometimes it stinks to watch them play both sides of an issue. But in this particular case, I think it was brilliant. Because you had Marco Bellinelli, you had Kyle Korver, a white player who's spoken up big time about these things. You had Sterling Brown, a player who was literally assaulted by police and settled as recently as last month. You have Anthony Tolliver, league-wide veteran. And you have Jonathan Isaac, who before he got injured was one of few black players, I think he might have been the only one to date, to stand for the national anthem while everyone else knelt. So that whole group pretty much gets to speak with the earthly leader of an entire denomination. 
of Christianity. I don't think there's anything more earth shattering than that. Which begs the question, if the Pope is good enough to listen, where does everybody else fall in this category? Yes, the Pope was quoted during the event, according to Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. It's telling all five players you're champions, but also giving the example of teamwork. You've become a model, giving that good example of teamwork, but always remaining humble and preserving your own humanity. Um, when I think of global leaders, the Pope is one of the first five that come to mind. When you just think of leaders from institutions that command universal respect. Like, that was a position that the President of the United States used to be something that, you know, went into that top five. Who knows if that's something that, it, uh, leader of the free world, who knows if we ha still have that ability to claim that anymore. Maybe uh, it's for the best that we don't, but continue. But the Pope, you think of... The Dalai Lama, you think of just so many, there are institutional figures who just seemingly stand and have this aura, and the Pope is one of them. I seriously can't recall athletes being given general audience time with the Pope, and the Pope in the book that is coming out shortly is going to be calling for social justice and racial equality, racial justice. Um, and so this seemed to be as an event part of that. But I really think it speaks to what the NBA accomplished in the bubble that the people the Pope turned to to have that general audience with was NBA players. I think it legitimizes the work they've put in to this point. It sort of makes me ask, because we recognize that the NBA is a global league, has players that touch every corner of this world that we live in. It makes me wonder whether or not other leagues could have found themselves in this position if they were serious about it. You know, we, we, we covered how baseball was there and sort of there. I don't think we even touched how hockey really didn't talk about it at all. And all the other leagues, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that the WNBA was not called, even though that's an omission that I don't think we have even begun to understand how unfair that is. But it makes me wonder if everyone else is sort of looking at it rather the admins of all those leagues, whether they're looking at this meeting and going, maybe we missed a window or maybe they don't care. But I would think that such a headline may make those leagues think a little bit harder about making such a supposedly audacious platform actually a part of their on-field culture even in a small way. I think if you're playing the long game on this, it's kind of easy to see how the NBA running out in front the way they are is positioning them to potentially one day be one of the two largest professional sports organizations in the world. Like soccer is still the global game or football to many. But if you think of the NBA is getting invited to the Vatican because they're standing for social and racial justice inequality. If you're playing the long game, that seems like a winning issue to be on. Is it not? 
And so there may be other leagues that are saying, oh, well, you know, showing up to the Vatican isn't going to affect the NBA's bottom line. And right now that's probably true. Right? Like this meeting doesn't do anything for the NBA's value today. But as the NBA has successfully become a global game over the past 30 years, if they are also the league that is out front standing for issues that are globally agreed upon, and I do believe that where they are standing will be the global accepted way of thinking in the long run, I really don't believe that equality is a hard... uh hard stance long-term to take. It seems like the NBA is positioning themselves to be right there with soccer globally when they have this type of a moment. And I think that's where some of these other American sports leagues may be missing the boat. The biggest part of what you just said to me is the fact that this is part of the NBA's strategy going forward. Because the argument that I'm hearing in my head to support the leagues that were sort of half-hearted about it is, well, you know, that's not really our role. You know, we're supposed to be a league. Um, Politics, since that's what they call it, isn't really supposed to be in what we do. Basically, all different sorts of phrases to defend their being so tepid. And I would argue that with the exception of the NHL, I should say, every other one of those leagues has a substantial amount of black and brown players. Substantial. And to say that your league does not see equality as a priority it it tells us what we sort of already knew in terms of the way that you actually saw the value of the athletes that are a part of your league but now we know for sure and that's that's disheartening All right, all right, all right. We've taken you on a journey. And now we are about to reach the end because it is time for the namesake, the award tour. Every week, you know what we do. We find people who do either good things or bad things, have had eventful weeks one way or another, and they get a weekly award with either a really great reference or sometimes it's just way too on the nose. Only got one this week because it is a holiday week and we're going to give you something good to listen to while you wait for the big food time. So to make up for my lack of eloquence, I will let Brian go first. So mine's going to be a bit double uh, double sided today. Ooh, because there are a couple of uh, figures in television, pop culture history who I think one sort of resembled the good parenting duo and one sort of resembled the bad parenting duo. On the good side, you had Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv, right? True story. You know, just very successful parents, the moral compass of the family, always held it things together and always had wise words when they were needed. Even when it wasn't even for their own son and when it was for Will. On the other side, you had the Bundys. Love and marriage, love and marriage. Unbelievable. Al and Peggy were not necessarily the moral compasses of anything. (laughs) But they, you know, they fit. They fit the American moment. They were the alternative to the Goody Two Shoes family. They were the family that might strike you as maybe a little more real sometimes, but they weren't necessarily the best parenting duo. I'm about to give out a double-sided award here, because you remember how we made fun of some of those Big Ten parents uh, back in September when they were trying to get football restarted, right? You had better believe it. 
when they were yelling, let us play in front of the Big Ten offices when, number one, y'all ain't playing nothing. (laughs) And number two, uh, how about you be more worried about your children like not getting COVID than if they get to play a year of college football? The pros will be there for them if they're good enough. Trust us. Exactly. Well, on the other side today, you have college basketball parents doing something. But it's a little bit different. According to Myron Medcalf of ESPN, the parents of some of America's top men's and women's basketball players have formed a new organization that aims to build a national network that empowers parents across the country and helps educate them about the culture and climate of the sport and their role within it, while also advocating for the rights of college basketball players at all levels. Oh, The College Basketball Parents Association, or CBPA, announced on Tuesday morning by its organizers, is a group that also hopes to have a significant voice within a sport that's now considering the implications of COVID-19, mental health, name, image, and likeness rules, among other developments. Some of the uh, parents involved in this are the parents of Gonzaga freshman Jalen Suggs, Duke's Jalen Johnson and Arkansas's Moses Moody, they're all expected to be first-round picks, uh, among a litany of other parents from both men's and women's college basketball. And so for that, we have one group of parents, the football parents, who all they seem to be able to collectively organize around is making sure that their sons can play football and they can enjoy their Saturdays the way they've known them, even though it's a COVID fest out there. Where on the other side of the coin, you have college basketball parents coming together to form an organization that is meant to empower their athletes and guide them, and not just empower the athletes, empower the parents of the athletes and guide them through some of the challenges that come across with being a student athlete. For that, college basketball parents, you get to be Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil. College football parents, you get to be Peggy and Al. (laughs) <laughs> in our TV Parents Award of the Week. Woo! And the demographic hit is just, that just makes it even more hilarious. It, it just really is. My lone award this week, and you may reach with me for a little bit of this, but when I batted, when I batted the idea around and you said, oh, I wish there was more celebrity gossip to be up on, and it kind of dawned on me like the perfect reference for this award. Someone who leaks who's in, who's a celebrity sort of. Are you into reality TV at all? Depends on the reality TV. I watch plenty of trash television though. Absolutely. Have you ever watched Love and Hip Hop? I have not made it to VH1 in a while. <laughs> Might be for the best. Um so by far I would argue it's most popular spinoff is love and hip-hop atlanta and within that franchise is a young lady by the name of jocelyn hernandez and let me tell you something about jocelyn hernandez she is cardi b before cardi b with less talent but has been able to make the vh1 lifestyle work for her and for her family she reached infamy because she was dating Stevie J, also known as Stevie Stephen Jordan, who was a big producer back in the 90s, I believe is still active now. And she sort of popped onto the scene while he was already seeing somebody else and sort of took him away. Now, granted, this relationship was not built on the best of terms, but we end up exploring season after season, episode after episode, where Mr. Jordan doesn't quite handle his new relationship in the best way. Uh, Bringing other ladies around, stepping out, coming back. They even got married and had to get divorced. It was a big old roller coaster ride. Until at a certain point, she said, you know what? I'm better than you. And I want out. And to this day, because I have sort of fallen out of practice, not quite sure where in relationship purgatory they are. You want to know who else is in at least some sort of professional purgatory? One John Wall, point guard for the Washington Wizards. Now, it is very important 
to understand that even though John Wall as the number one overall draft pick did not exactly propel the Washington Wizards to new heights, John Wall came at a time where not many people cared that much about Wizards basketball and was at one point one of the most exciting point guards in the NBA. Unfortunately, injuries have taken a toll on Sir Wall. But he is about to turn 30 if he has even turned 30. So you can imagine that this young man, who's actually our age, I don't know why I called him young man, to add on to that is known as being one of the most philanthropic players, period. He has sold himself into the community of Washington, D.C. He has made his presence felt in so many ways and has at least been exciting and good enough to keep Washington somewhat relevant in the postseason race throughout the decade. So imagine how he felt hearing that he wanted he was going to be traded or that his name was going to be thrown around in a deal for Russell Westbrook. Wizards Twitter and shout out to my man Mike D. Sykes sort of split on the whole thing. And a very recent exchange with John Wall pretty much had him answer whether or not he had requested a trade after hearing that his name was brandied about in rumors. Do you know what he said? I can only imagine. So this is what he said. I have to ask you, obviously you've been in the news a lot, and and, and there's a lot of confusion going on right now, especially with this Wizards fan base wondering what is going on. Can you set the record straight? Did you request the trade to leave Washington? No comment. I didn't. No comment. Do you understand the confusion, though, why people are just... They don't know what to believe, and what do you what, what do you want to say to the Wizards fans? All I can say is this, man. I worked I worked my tail off all summer to prepare myself for the season, and that's all I'm focused on. John, I have to ask you these these no comments are just that's not you. We're not used to you saying kind of no comments. So I think there's again there's a confusion as how did we get to this point? Why why all of a sudden these no comments when we discuss certain situations? No comment. <laughs> This courtesy of ABC7 Sports down in Washington, D.C. And as you can tell, he sort of laughed and had a smile on his face because I think he's just about over it. So the Jocelyn Hernandez Award for being a little bit fed up with everything goes to John Wall. May you find peace, whatever that looks like professionally, sir. Because you did work your tail off and I was looking forward to seeing you do your thing. So, I mean, I think the funny thing about that is his piece is going to have to be in Washington, right? <laughs> I like, guess. he's not going anywhere. I would be shocked if he is traded before he steps on the court again. I would agree with you, but I I don't know. I don't, I don't put anything past anybody these days. You know how it is. Well, so here's the thing. For the Wizards to trade, and this is the thing about NBA news that gets a little frustrating is once again, John Wall, I understand why he would be sensitive to it and why he would be upset by it, right? Like you've played your whole career with this team. The fact that your name comes up is possibly being talked about in a trade could be upsetting, right? But all we got from Shams, all that report was, was that the Wizards and Rockets are talking about a deal centered around John Wall and Russell Westbrook. Well, here's the thing. If the Rockets called you up talking about a Russell Westbrook for John Wall deal, you're not just going to hang up the phone, right? I don't think John Wall hasn't played in two years. He's coming off of Achilles surgery. Like, you have to have that conversation. But it sounds like the reason that conversation keeps ending is because the Rockets are saying, hey, we'll give you Westbrook for Wall, but we want some picks. And clearly Washington's saying, yeah, no. That's not how this is going to go. So, like, here's the the Wizards aren't going to trade away John Wall and have to give up more to do it. They've made that quite clear. 
So he's going to be there. And he's going to have to, you know, be able to put this behind him. Because while I understand why he would feel upset about seeing his name come up in trade topics, he's also cost the Wizards like $80 million over the last two years to not play a game. I'm usually on the side of the players on a lot of stuff, but you're 100% right there. Like, he doesn't... John Wall has been a pillar in the D.C. community. He has been great for the D.C. community. I don't think the whole talking about the gang signs thing should be a big of a deal. I also don't know how big of a deal it is to people. Once again, we're talking about... Sources are saying, who were the sources? Is that coming directly? We know that Tommy and Ted didn't like that it happened, but have they been actively trying to get rid of John Wall ever since? I find that a bit hard to believe. Um, My whole thing with it is he can be upset. He has every right to be upset. He doesn't get to act like the Wizards haven't done right by him either. Like, they've paid him every last dollar they can pay him at every last opportunity they've had to pay him. They've never haggled with him. They never kept him waiting to sign a max. Every time they had the chance to offer him a max contract, they gave him every last dollar they could. And he always ha- he hasn't necessarily always been the best about showing up in shape and ready for a season. So, there's only so much complaining I feel like I'm willing to hear, to some extent. The only response I'm going to have for that is that if you're psyching yourself up to actually come in and produce after a long layover, it's got to be pretty deflating to hear, yeah, maybe he'll do it for somebody else. Because here's the thing, I'm not even going to disagree with you because I think you're absolutely right. For them not to take any insurance payouts or what have you and fork over every last dime for two years and not get a second of playing time is really, really tough. And as an organization, you sometimes have to look out and see what's all out there. But if I'm in John Wall's shoes, I know that. And I know that this team looks a certain way with Bradley Beal running the show. And I know that I don't like sitting out and not feeling like I didn't earn it. Mind you, I don't know him at all. But from that comment, I feel like we're pulling away the fact that he wants to play. It's not like he got injured and said, screw it, I retire and I want all my money. So I would be disappointed in his shoes to hear that me, I'm being ready to come back and y'all want to get rid of me after all. Ouch. Yeah, it it definitely, I'm not saying it shouldn't hurt. And I'm not saying that there's no reason to feel hurt by it. But like if the end of the day, it's a business that is treating you very well still. And the Wizards are entitled to look at trades if they're being talked about. But, like, you know, I feel like they got to trade you before you get too hurt. But obviously, the no comments mean he's requested a trade. That means he's definitely requested a trade. Uh, But who knows? I I imagine things will get patched over in time. We'll see. It's been an interesting saga down here. I'll tell you that much. True story. Well, we've done it, folks. Brian, we did it. 2020 is still going on, but we got a holiday episode and everything. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel good about it. I feel very, very good about it. Dare I say we're thankful about it? But of course. And we're thankful to all of you for being a part of this ride again. And here is how you can keep up with the rest of us. You can find us, as always, on Twitter and Instagram at AwardTourPod. Individually, you can find me on Twitter at BrianAlbinLife with a Y. And you can find Unqua on both Instagram and Twitter. Hit him with that handle. 
underscore I-A-M-N-K-W-A. I spell it out so you don't get it wrong. I like that. We need catchphrases every time we say the hand. <laughs> you can also rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. May that be Apple, Spotify. Maybe you're listening to us on Anchor where we originate this podcast. Wherever you find us, leave us five stars. Leave us a review. And, you know, you can even drop us a voice note on Anchor and maybe have an award for us to talk about next week. And the best part, as we said before, if we can come to you on a holiday, we'll get you in a regular week, too. Anything else before we get out of here, partner? If we come over to your house for Thanksgiving, don't worry about a turkey. I won't. I don't need any turkey. You can have all the leftover turkey you want. But on the real, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be doing this. Amen and amen. Eat your short rib. Bye, y'all.